Alright, so we are continuing with our series on Hebrews this morning. And this morning we will go through Hebrews chapter 7. So for those of you, if you have a Bible, if you have uh, using a mobile app, turn your Bible app to Hebrews chapter 7. I, firstly, I will do a quick recap of all the chapters prior. And uh, I also want to encourage you guys, if you have not had a chance to read those uh, chapters before, Hebrews chapter 1 through 6, I want to encourage you to read them again and be able to, um, be, uh, be able to uh, go through them again uh, as I'm quickly recapping what's going on uh, in the first six chapters. And then if you have not read chapter 7, uh, please read them throughout the week. Okay. How is it? Can you guys hear me okay? A little bit up? It's a little bit closer? Okay, I don't know if I can turn it up. Okay, connection was lost. Okay, all right. Can you guys hear me okay back there? Yes, no, kind of? Okay, all right, here we go. So I'm going to do a quick recap for Hebrews. So uh, firstly, in Hebrews chapter 1, we had uh, God uh, saying that in, in the past, he spoke, uh, to our ancestors through uh, the prophets in various ways and various means. But now, in these last days, he speaks directly to us through Jesus. And uh, chapter 1 talked about the superiority, superiority of Jesus because Jesus is greater than all the prophets and all the angels. Uh, chapter 2 talked about us wanting us as people to pay attention and listen and, and listen to the good news, so to speak, and talked also about Jesus being made fully human, to share into the humanity uh, in order to become the perfect sacrifice for us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3 will touch on, uh, again, reminding all the people to listen to Jesus. Tune our hearts to him, tune our ears to him, because he is much better than Moses and is beginning to set the stage for who Jesus really is. Uh, so chapter 4 uh, talked about the promise to enter rest with God. And it's like that promise is through Jesus. That Jesus is a fulfillment of the promise that we can enter rest with God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 touch on the differences between the Old, Test um, Old Testament high priest and the new high priest that is Jesus. Um, and then leading to Jesus as a new high priest who was without sin and, with, uh, uh, and, and acting as a perfect sacrifice. So Hebrews chapter 6 Hebrews chapter 6 is more for us. It's encouraging us to move beyond the elementary truths, which are those things uh, just laying on of hands, baptism, uh, salvation, uh, repentance. So move beyond those things and, and learn of the deeper truth and, and be more mature. And also, uh, it, it, chapter 6 also challenges us from the standpoint that we do have our salvation, which we will never lose. However, we could lose our inheritance. So don't be lazy and imitate those through faith and patience. Receive the promise and receive the inheritance that was promised to them. And also, it, it touched on Jesus as our forerunner, and it touched on Jesus as a high priest from the order of Melchizedek. Now the text is to chapter 7. Right, so I'm going to try to summarize this whole chapter in 20 minutes. And it's pretty much impossible, but I'm going to try to capture the heart of it. And I, again, as always, I want to remind each and every one of us to read through this chapter for yourselves because there will be things, not maybe, there will be things in there that God wants to speak to each of us individually. So uh, chapter 7. Chapter 7 is when the author of Hebrews 
will be reinforcing and uh, providing further evidences to show how much better Jesus is as our new high priest. It is uh, to build, it continue to build off what the other chapters were saying, right? Initially, he was better, he was greater than Moses, and he's greater than the Old Testament high priest, and now he is just like Melchizedek, greater than Abraham. Uh, and we're going to go through that. But firstly, keep in mind, the author of Hebrews is writing this letter to the Jewish Christians. These are the, the readers, or the, the hearers, are very familiar with the Old Testament. They are very familiar with uh, the temples, uh, the high priests, the, the Levitical priests. They were very familiar with their sacrifices and all those things. So it's the same thing as someone will come to us and say, hey, you guys know that on the 4th of July, people like to barbecue and grill in the backyard a lot. It's like, yes, we know that, right? That's because that's what we do. So that's, that's the same illustration in terms of when you're talking to, when, when the author of Hebrews is writing to these readers or the hearers about the things that they already know and they have been practicing all their lives. It's the same thing as saying that um, to someone from Brazil, hey, do you know soccer? Do you like soccer? They most likely will tell you, yeah, you cut me up, I will bleed out little soccer balls instead of blood. But I think you guys get the point. So the, the, the hearers are very well versed in terms of uh, who Abraham is, the patriarch. Abraham is uh, the patriarch of the Israelites. He is someone that they love, worship, and revere. Because uh, as, as you see throughout scriptures, they will talk about the God of Moses, right? The God of Jacob and the God of Abraham. There's no other God of such and such. Uh, so that is who they revere. So it starts out in the very beginning with Abraham and Melchizedek. I'm gonna, I so much want to say Melchizedek in here, but it's Melchizedek is, is how you, I think, supposed to, uh, I was corrected, and I think that's how he's supposed to say his name. So uh, let's go back. So in order to fully, for us, to fully understand who Melchizedek is and the importance and the significance of Melchizedek, I want to touch a little bit on Genesis chapter 14. So this is when Abraham gave a tenth of everything that he had to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, I want to take a, a couple minutes to talk about the exchange between Abraham and Melchizedek uh, to help us, as I said, have a better understanding of, of why Melchizedek is such an important figure. Uh, the, so this, at the very end of Genesis 14, as you may recall, Abraham came back from a battle to rescue Lot, and Melchizedek just showed up out of nowhere. He just showed up, and he was the king, and he was the priest of God Most High. So, and then Abraham gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything that he owned. So, that's very first mentioned in the Bible about tithing. And also, another thing which is very important, is the very first mentioned in the Bible about a king who is also a priest of God Most High. Because as we, uh, hopefully, as you already know, God does not want his people to have a king. We know that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, right? The people wanted a king. God eventually gave them a king, us a king. But he discouraged us to actually have a king. However, it's very interesting that you see there was a priest before the priesthood was established through Moses, the Mosaic law. So it was a priest of God most high. There was no mention of a priest prior to this. No mention of a king who worshipped God as a priest prior to this. So anyway, so let's, let's talk about those two concepts that was introduced in Genesis 14. And this will help us have a better understanding of the significance of Melchizedek. So tithing, number one, 
It just came out of nowhere. Right? Abraham understood the concept of tithing without being taught, without being told, without seeing anyone else has done it. Right? There's no mention of tithing at all until Genesis 14. Isn't that amazing? So he gave a tenth of everything that he owned because it was from a revelation of God as the ultimate provider. No of a king, and acknowledging that revelation before his people. So he, he, he did this in public. It was from a place of having relationship with God, a living God, a God that he walks with every day and a God who is with him and a God that who is for him. So therefore, through that revelation of God, uh, of, of Abraham, God of who, Abraham, Abraham had of who God is and his relationship with God, tithing is not a conditional exchange, right? It's not a conditional exchange of, well, if I give some tithing, then God will give me something back. Or I would only tie if I enjoy the service today. Or I would only tie if I hear what I like to hear today. Or something like that. Or I would only tie if something good happened to me. It's from a place of revelation and a place of relationship with God. Uh, because no one taught Abraham this. No one, we, there was no tithing prior to that. So it was not from a place of religious duty. In terms, if you attend church, you have to tithe. There's no mention of that, right? He just did it. Just like the same thing as no mention of a priest before. So now, so that's number one. That's the significance of tithing. Suddenly he just felt Melchizedek was so much greater that he had to, gave him a tenth of everything. So number two, Melchizedek was the priest of God most high. I don't recall reading that prior to Genesis 14 at all. So the priest of God most high, and if if we read through the rest of Genesis, this was long, as I mentioned earlier, long before the priesthood of the Mosaic law was established through the tribe of so Levi. Melchizedek, who was um, in the beginning of Hebrews 7, said Melchizedek was without a father or mother, genealogy, without the beginning of days or the end of day, uh, end of life, resembling the Son of God, resembling Jesus. So that's amazing. Isn't it? He just appeared out of nowhere, and then you don't see him again. So he's a king and a priest of God Most High. And uh, as you read through uh, the beginning of Hebrews chapter 7, righteousness is his name. That's what it means. And Salem means peace. So righteousness and peace go together is what happened when we find that in Jesus. We find that in the Son of God. is Jesus and his righteousness will bring us peace. And the people in that country, Salem, lives in peace. So this is significant because, again, as I keep saying, and I, it just blew my mind when I was reading this. Like, wow, the king and the priest of God Most High. I've always thought that God did not want us to have a king, but here we go. A king and a priest of God Most High. So anyway, um, tithing. So I wanted to touch on that really quick from Genesis 14 for us to fully understand the significance of Melchizedek, of why he came, and suddenly the patriarch of the Israelite people, of the Jews, whom, whom they worship and revere, Abraham thought so highly of Melchizedek. So anyway, so um, where am I? I'm like, I don't know where I am right now. So uh, hang on, okay? You guys stay with me. Can you stay with me, everybody? I'm like, I'm really nervous for some reason. <laughs> uh, all right, so we will go through uh, verses 4 through 10. Spoke about the greater importance of Melchizedek in comparison to Abraham. 
And I felt that is the heart of this chapter. So the chapter is trying to share with us, Melchizedek is so much greater than Abraham. And Jesus came from the order of Melchizedek. So um, what I, I think on the slide there, so what I did is I felt the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us what came from Melchizedek is so much greater than what came from Abraham. So let's do a little comparison for our sake, right? So Melchizedek, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham, which scripture said that plainly in Hebrews chapter 7. I don't know where I am right now. And uh, it went on to talk about the, Le uh, the Levit Levitical priests. And um, obviously, I think we know that only the Old Testament priests, only the ones that come from the tribe of Levi can become the priest. They cannot become a priest if they were from a different tribe. And that's an illustration. Uh, those verses went on to talk about why. So in a way, the Levitical, Levitical priests pay tithes to Melchizedek. So, so we established that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. So now let's go on to the next one. Right? So if Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, Jesus came from the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is obviously greater than the priest that came out of Mosaic law from the tribe of Levi. The priest, the Levitical priest, became the priest through regulation, if I can use that term. Because Moses said only those from the tribe of Levi can become a priest. That's a regulation. Jesus became a priest, which he was not from the tribe of Levi. He became a priest through an oath from God. So that's also another difference between the two. So would you rather having a priest that was spoken by God or a priest that became a priest through regulations. And as, as we start going down the list of the comparison between the order of Melchizedek and if I can say the order of Abraham, the love of Jesus versus the Mosaic law. Right? The law, we read, um, Hebrews chapter 7 goes on to say, the law, the Mosaic law, through these Levitical priests, made nothing perfect. The Mosaic law was weak and useless. That's a really strong term. Can you imagine as people who've been abiding by these mosaic laws for years and, and years and years, this is all you know, and suddenly you read it and say, and you see, wow, the law, the commandments that I have been abiding by is weak and useless and has made nothing perfect. I thought if I abide by these commandments, I would become perfect, but apparently not. So therefore, because the law made nothing perfect, made, was weak and useless, a new high priest was needed. And that new high priest cannot, cannot come from the tribe of Levi. That's why Jesus had to, be, had to come from a different tribe, the tribe of Judah. And also we know this, is the tribe of Judah, the new high priest, Jesus, lives forever and has a permanent, right, a permanent and perfect priesthood. And we read that from verse 25. Let's read, I think I have verse 25 back there. It said, therefore, we are able to, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them, right? We learn this in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 5 is he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day to day. First, be, for his own sins and then for the sins of other people because he is perfect and his sacrifice is perfect. So if we summarize the comparison between the two, Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Jesus, who came from the order of Melchizedek, is greater than all the Old Testament high priests. And the love of Jesus 
through his priesthood and his sacrifice, made everyone who believes in him sinless and perfect before God. Versus the Mosaic law made nothing perfect, and it was weak and useless. So the Mosaic law and the religious rituals made nothing perfect. That's, that must have been a shocker to us, right? To, to suddenly maybe hear things like, oh, on the 4th of July, no one has been doing barbecuing except for us. Can you imagine that? Suddenly you hear someone to come and tell you that, wait, why have you been grilling? No one else has been doing it. That must have been a shocker to, to the readers here. However, the author of Hebrews had to go through the steps of explaining why Melchizedek is so much better than Abraham and start going down the list and, and showing the comparison between the two. Uh, it's very important for, he, for, the, for the readers of Hebrews and for us if I can say, the readers of Hebrews, the Jewish Christians, to work through this process, right? They had to understand that Jesus was greater than Moses. He's greater than the prophets, greater than the angels, greater than um, the, uh, the Mosaic law, greater than the Old Testament priest, and, under, and explaining why he's greater and where he came from, which made him so much greater. And what he did to show he's a much better and a perfect and eternal priest. So I believe this chapter... And I felt like the, the heart of this chapter is telling us that because Jesus, he was the high priest from the order of Melchizedek. So in a way, he was a priest long, long before the priesthood introduced by Moses. So instead of saying the new high priest, I just felt as I was reading this, it, it should be the old, original high priest. Because Melchizedek was the original priest of God Most High, right? And Jesus came from that. So Jesus came from the original priesthood, and I'm paraphrasing here. This is, you don't find this in scriptures. But he came from the original priesthood that God has actually made an oath to and called him to be a priest. So if I can say the very original priesthood who was without the beginning of days. That's who Jesus is. Without the beginning of days, and without the end of life. Priest, that's who Melchizedek was. That's also who Jesus is. So with a new priesthood, we talked about there's a new law, right? Or if I can say, instead of a new law, it's the original law. The original law of what God had wanted for his people. The law that will replace the Mosaic law. So in, in Hebrews, it talks about the new law, but I felt like it's, actually the original law that God has gave to mankind when he first created them. Because the previous law, which is known by the Jewish Christian, the Mosaic law, firstly, there were over 600 commandments in the Mosaic law. I think we all know that, right? But the new law, now there are just two commandments. So if I can use that from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, I think we all know this, but I want to share the very last verse in here. So Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. Jesus replied. This is when they were asking him, what was the greatest commandment? He said, the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love, the Lord, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Here you go. All the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. That's amazing, isn't it? Over 600 commandments or two commandments. And actually, if we love the Lord your God 
love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, we kind of satisfy the second commandment by default. Because when we love God, we love God's people. And we love God's people as ourselves. So we don't have to worry about 600 and something commandments that we need to follow. And all the things the prophet said that we need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I felt that's the original law, if I can use that term. Right? The original version is always the simplest. It's always the best. Right? Because God just wants relationship with us, and He wants us to love Him since He created Adam and Eve. So the original version of how God has created is always better. What God has originally intended for us to be and to do is always better. Somehow, along the way, we try to add things to it. Like, for example, you know, God told him about all these things just to let him know, hey, you guys think you can do better? Here you go. Here are all the commandments that you need to do. And we, we try to improve on things along the way. We try to change it to fit the time or the season that we're in or just help it evolve into a better commandment. But what we need to do is get back to the original command that God has told us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that's it. And we'll satisfy the second commandment by default. Try Trust me. Like try that. Example, you know, if, you love the, if you love God with everything that we have, we cannot love God's people. We cannot love our neighbor as ourselves. Help it into a so anyway, the original priest, if I can use that term, Jesus, as the original priest from the original priesthood. He wants us to practice the, the law, the original law that God has given to us. It's, that's, the, that's God's original intent when he created us for us to live in perfect harmony, perfect relationship with him. As I was, uh, I, I just want to share a little bit with you guys as I was preparing for this Saturday and uh, I was listening to the song and I was playing this over and over again and uh, I'm sure my family heard me singing in the basement. It's like the song from Dante Bowie, Take Me Back. And I just reminded again, I was, I was preparing for this, like, take me back. Take me back to the original intent, God. Take me back to the beginning. Take me back to how you had created for us to be. Instead of trying to think that we know better and try to do things a bit differently. Add a little flavor to it. Add a little twist to it. Or try to, like, well, you know, this is what it really meant, but because of nowadays, this is what we do. No. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's it. Isn't that simple? It is simple but it can be difficult. So I just felt a reminder for all of us is just go back. Go back to the beginning. Ask God to take us back to the time when we first know of Him. First knew about God. Suddenly your heart stir up, right? Oh, this thing just swelling outside, uh, but beyond you. you. You're overcome with emotion. That is how we are to live every day, all the time. Isn't that simple? It is simple. Oh, yeah, I'm almost at the end. I want to end this end by saying that... Um, the comparison between the Melchizedek and Abraham, if I can say, is still very applicable today. You know, don't think that was just for the Jewish Christians back then. I felt that the Old Testament high priest can still be found today, sadly. They don't use the same title. They don't call themselves the Old Testament high priest. We don't call them the Old Testament high priest. However, we give them the same authority. We give them the same power in terms of 
following everything that they say. You know, and, and whatever they say or whatever they written must be from God and it must be absolute. So these present day Old Testament high priests, as I said, can be found in movie celebrity, right? We know a lot of people that if a movie star said something, that must be true. Or if, if a famous theologian said something, it must be true. Or even a well-known pastor said something, it must be true. And such. So that's the uh, comparison if I can use. They are the same as the Old Testament high priest. Versus for us, come to Jesus directly. Of course we can learn from things from them. We should learn things from other people. However, just recognize that we are to come to Jesus as our high priest, not those high priests over there in terms of giving them our, our time and our money, buying the books that they have, which is good. We want to read those things, right? But if that's all we do instead of coming back to scriptures, that's how we're giving ties to them, spending our time with them versus using that to learn more about who Jesus is and come to him directly. Because in these later days, in these last days, God speak to us through his son Jesus, right? It doesn't say he speak to us through Bill Johnson. It doesn't say he speak to us through Billy Graham or what, whatever names that you guys want to throw in. God speak to us through his son Jesus. So don't get me wrong. We can and should learn things from those people, but do not let them take the place of the high priest of the Old Testament. They should not and they cannot because we know that they're not perfect. Jesus is the only perfect high priest for us. He will always live to intercede for us. Isn't that amazing? I want to encourage you guys when you go back home and read through Hebrews chapter 7, read that verse again. Jesus, he will always live to intercede for us. Isn't that amazing? Always live to intercede for us. If I can be really honest, I don't know if I can even say that to my kids. But Jesus will always live to intercede for us. That's 24-7. That's amazing. So keep that in mind and always keep that in your heart in terms of who Jesus is. He always lived to intercede for us. The one who transcends time, right? Because he was without the beginning of days and the end of life. So as I've been saying every week, make everything about Jesus because he always lived to intercede for us. Make everything for Jesus. Make everything begins and ends with Jesus. This is how we live out the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We will automatically make everything about Jesus, and we will automatically make everything for Jesus, and everything will begin and end with Jesus. And as I said, as we do that, we automatically live out the second commandment. Second commandment. So, love God with everything that we have. We will satisfy the second commandment. And we will know that we belong to a priesthood that came from the order of Melchizedek. So that's what, we, that's what I felt for Hebrews chapter 7 for us. Uh, just to be reminded again that we are to lift up Jesus. And remember... Do not allow the religious rituals and, and responsibilities to, to make us do things. But do those things out of our love for Jesus. as our desire to know more of whom he is. Out of desire to lift up his name and to glorify his name. So, uh, so amen.
Amen. I'm going to pray, and then we can close this morning. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. Just thank you for who you are. We love you, and we worship you this morning. We want to lift you up and honor you and acknowledge that you are the Almighty God, Lord. We just pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, just come. Come, Holy Spirit. Just give us a greater revelation of who Jesus is as we're learning about Jesus. Hebrews is all about you, Jesus, but I just pray that you will give us a greater revelation of who you are, what you have done for us, and all the things that you have planned for us. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we honor you this morning. Let everything be all about you, God. Amen.